Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where the Ravens managed to lose the last game, not win a meaningless game like they did in 2019 against the Steelers. And we're going to very briefly talk about that because, like, we don't really care too, too much. Uh, frankly, we'll talk about other things in this show, including a regular season recap. Um, but, guys, like, interesting game. Uh, we had some chitter-chatter before the show that kind of, like, led us to think we have more to talk about this game than maybe we thought. Um, but my overarching thought, my number one thing is, like, I didn't need this, uh, you know, anxiety stressor in my life of watching so many starters play i was very frustrated with the practice squad call-ups and uh their usage i thought it was absolutely uh negligent frankly to play some of the players that they did uh for as long as they did and not having adequate backups um i i really think bench mason being in the game as a call-up over Lucien or another safety was a huge mistake, and I would love to know why. I would that had been my question is like why when you had limited de- de- uh, defensive back depth that you wanted to, to that you wanted to use, did you not call up another? Like how <laughs> how back could this player be? And then like again in a game that saw so many offensive linemen play, why did Salah not get any snaps? Those have been my questions for Mr. Harbaugh. And that was like really frustrating. I'm glad that we left with mostly no injuries. I'm a little concerned about the stone injury and the OA injury, but with two weeks, it sounds like those should be okay. But it's just like so much anxiety for me. I feel like it's another, uh, another point toward expanded rosters in the regular season, you know? Um, you know, I think Harbaugh talked about it. Just the, you know, preseason, you got 90 players. You know, you've got, you've got the depth to be able to put out those guys and, you know, try to, uh, you know, play with your third stringers, four stringers, things like that. And um, you don't have to put out your starters for a lot of those. But week 18, you don't really have a choice. Um, I mean, I get that there are other names that could have been brought up. Um, but I mean, even then, like, you know, I mean, to your point, like, you know, Matabike was playing until the fourth quarter, like, you know, our leading sack guy. I mean, that was crazy. I, I thought it was crazy. He was running around there. But, um, but I mean, you look at the, defensive line players we have behind him we already had a rotation and uh you know we just kind of had to have some of those guys take snaps even queen we didn't really want him to have all those snaps but with the injuries to inside linebacker he had to come back in the game um fortunately he was okay but we know he's been dealing with some uh, some little things here and there so yeah i mean it wasn't great it, it was weird you know also going into it too just was it a you know did the Ravens want to win that game? Did did, did they would kind of just give a little bit of lip service? Uh, think they they were going to win the game, but you know, kind of partially committed. It was a little weird, but I mean, <laughs> at the end of, at the end of the day, man, like I don't know, whatever. We got the one seed. Like we're just looking forward to the playoffs. Like I got to stay locked in on that. Like you know, I don't I don't think anybody's evaluating the Ravens or you know roster or anything based on this game. So yeah, I mean, if if they are. Um... I don't know what to say. Yeah, like you're saying, this was kind of a, a one of the downsides to locking up the number one seed early, right? Is that you have to think about how you approach a game that has literally no, I shouldn't say literally no meaning, because there is one thing that we'll talk about that I, I did creep into the back of my mind at the end of the game. But yeah, like you said, the Ravens, obviously, number one seed. Couldn't advance in the standings. There was nowhere to advance. You don't get you don't get two buys if you you know <laughs> get uh, maintain the one seed through that after already locking it up. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tough ask for the coaches. Like, who do you play? Who do you don't? Um, I hear what you're saying about the practice squad guys, but I mean, you also got to look at it and think like, how much of the playbook do they know? How much of the playbook are the coaches willing to put them out for? And you know, you can you put the argument out there. You know, obviously, you are saving someone like Geno Stone, who unfortunately, like we said, is is um, in in concussion protocol. Right? He's in concussion protocol, I believe. I think it's just an ankle or knee. Just ankle? Okay. Sorry, Brent, Ur- Brent Urban's concussion. in a concussion protocol. Yeah, Brent Urban is in um, concussion. Got those, two, got those two injuries mixed up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the flip side of that argument, which the coaches might go to, is, like you said, if they don't know as much the playbook, you know, or you don't feel confident they can, they're ready to do with their job against, you know, a team that's obviously going out there and playing for something, you could make the argument there and, you know, by reaction there – putting some other players in injury, maybe some other guys have to step up and overcompensate for blocks. They're missing assignments. They're missing, uh, you know, it, it's, and then that could put them at risk for injury. Cause you can't rest everybody. Like you're like Chris just said, you know, the roster expansion is what it is. That's it, so it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's an enviable, but unenviable position for the Ravens, right? <laughs> because enviable, cause they've locked up the one seed. They had nothing to play for, but unenviable cause they had to, Face that dilemma, like we said at the end of the day, got through it without you know having to suffer through like I mean gosh what De- what Detroit has with uh, Sam Laporta you know hopefully for them he's able to play um, through that injury but um, you know hyper extended knee doesn't sound great um, for one week turnaround but yeah weird game um, I too did not watch it terribly closely. I was ready to watch it really closely because I thought we were getting snow. But then once I found out that it was just going to be, you know, a rain drenching, my interest in the game plummeted significantly. But, you know, <laughs> we don't get many snow games here. We, we, we've literally only had one in Ravens history at the bank, to my understanding, just that uh, game in 2013 against Minnesota. I don't think there's been, you know, maybe some flurries, but like no like snow snow for a game uh since or before that i was i was a little disappointed there it was like there was actually something to watch and then uh you know maryland weather did its thing <laughs> maryland weather man yeah just it was so weird i remember you know dolphins game looking at the weather forecast like oh man it's gonna snow next week it just keeps going down and down and down and down and down until it's finally rained and I mean, it looked miserable. I don't know about the, you know, for the, what the broadcast you did watch, but I mean, it looked absolutely terrible. I mean, even oh, yeah. thinking about like the Rams game earlier this year, like, you know, the rain pretty much stopped. Like it was pretty mild throughout the game mm-hmm. or the 49ers game. Like, I don't know, even on the broadcast, man, it was, it was definitely noticeable. So I'm, I'm kind of glad we, I'm kind of glad we gave away our tickets. <laughs> All I know is I saw someone joke that the squeegee boys should have been asked to join the stadium to clean off the lenses. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of hilarious. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad oh, in the beginning, man. wasn't it? Like, you couldn't see anything. <laughs> I know. A, it was just a blur. Oh, gosh. I was like, yeah, they could transition from outside the same to inside. That'd be great. But, uh, oh, man. I tell you, I, to me, it was frustrating because I was like, oh, this is going to finally be the Trent Simpson game. Like, I can't wait to watch him. And then I see PQ out there. And I'm like, why is pro bowler Patrick Queen playing in this game? Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then he finally came in the second half replacing Phillips. And then Phillips, or playing alongside Phillips, I guess, rather. And then Phillips got hurt. So then Queen had to come back in. But Simpson did show some splashes, which was great. 
Um, he kind of reminded me of 2020 Queen, which is phen- phenomenal for a third round pick versus a first round pick. Um, I think he played really well, and I'm I'm super excited to to do it all over again. Maybe he'll be a little faster than Queen. Who knows? Uh, but it seems like Queen's not going to be on this team next year, and I think Simpson could play really well. But I also think Phillips, like as much crap as I gave Delshawn Phillips in the year 2022, year 2023, he like showed a lot in preseason, and he's a very competent player. I think, um, and that's great for your you know platoon inside linebacker. I could see him using both of them next year if they're both on the team. Uh, I think they both showed. Uh, ability but obviously i think the team would love simpson to be the number one in that uh rotation if there is one uh and and maybe become a every down guy like pq became yeah certainly could um yeah a couple of good things from him i mean showed off his speed um i mean it was a really well executed blitz um basically had a, a free rush to the quarterback um ended up getting the sack there and uh you know tackling i thought was pretty good i mean i i feel like it wasn't you know you, you could I feel like you could tell not necessarily the same as like a starter because I, I I feel like the tackling of like jumping on top of a guy and like bringing him down like yeah it's impressive and everything but like you try to do that with like you know players week in week out you're just gonna look silly um, but even then like you know it was a good tackle I think he had another one where he kind of hit the guy pretty hard I would have got away and bounced away but he ended up grabbing an ankle which was good um, you like to see that um, get the hands on guys and trip them up and, you know, make sure you hold on to them. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of positive things. I think he had a good play at the goal line uh, as well. Um, and they'll get the tackle for tackle for loss as well. So yeah, I mean, definitely encouraging to see, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of him just because, you know, Roe and PQ have been so good. The biggest thing that I was excited to see from him was improvement from the preseason. The same thing that we've seen from Tavius Robinson when he's had to, to go out there for, extended snaps. I mean, he he looked like the guy that we thought he would be in his rookie year coming out. Um, of course, you know, this season hasn't really gone the way we would have liked for him. We would have liked him to have more opportunities, but, you know, yeah, there's certainly seems like there's going to be some things there that the Ravens can build on. Um, some playmaking ability, you know, th- that's there's definitely things to work with there. Um, Excited to see what he does next year. Hopefully we don't need him in the postseason because that would likely mean an injury somewhere that we don't want to have to deal with. But um, great showing for him uh, and definitely put a lot of highlights there on film. And that's exactly what you wanted to see from him in this game. No doubt. We saw more Tavius Robinson in this game than normal. Uh, A little bit more Travis Jones, which is fun. Uh, But those guys, I think are going to be big parts of the 2024 Ravens. Um, as like we have some turnover imaginably with some of these mercenaries and fourth year guys maybe disappearing. And then I don't know, like again, unbelievable to me that Marcus Williams, who's had more injuries on this team than anyone who's actively playing, uh, somehow managed to have a hundred percent of snaps. Um, felt again, like I said, very irresponsible and <sighs> maybe one day they'll, one day they'll learn. <laughs> Who knows? I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't understand it. I wouldn't love to know the rationale, but I was a little disappointed in the offense guys. I must say, I don't know about you guys. The The score was identical. It was a push. They literally need to score one more point from them to go over the point total from last time. It was the exact same score. And I'm just so frustrated by that. I thought this offense should have been able to score more than 10 points. And frankly, I think it was that darn you know, conditions with that pick. If we had gone a pick early with Marcus Williams, that would have been good field position. 
I think that could have been a difference maker for the whole game, frankly. Because uh, it's not like they, they need a short field position. So, I don't know. It was a little surprising. But it felt like the playbook was extremely uh, condensed. And because of the conditions, they weren't pushing it too much. Yeah, it's weird. It feels like, you know, kind of go back to the Rams game, right? That was another game where weather was kind of a factor up until kickoff and then it kind of tapered down a little bit it felt like going in that game it was like okay it's a run heavy formula let's just pound the ball and then it started letting up and they're like okay nope we're gonna pass the ball the whole time um whereas yeah this one you know going in it was just raining nonstop the whole time um absolutely miserable so yeah i mean it was i i i'm not sure how much we want to read into it because again because of we knew the game didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things for the Ravens for the Steelers. Obviously I think it mattered a little bit more, um, but for that, I don't know how much concern I have here. The, the, but we have been noticing some signs of maybe the run game slowing down after the Keaton injury. And this was another game that sort of felt like, you know, with the Steelers, you know, to run, pretty well against them over the last couple of years. We didn't really see that as much. It didn't really take over the game. Um, I, I'm just, I don't know. Are you guys concerned about that going into the playoffs? Do you think we'll be okay? Is it just, was it just because of what the game was to the Ravens that we didn't really pull out all the stops? Yeah, I'm concerned about the running game. Uh, I've been concerned about it, you know, since Keen left. So that's why I was so worried about with the, uh, uh the 49ers game. I was not sure if we'd have the, the horses for it. But the thing is, like, I think Hill's playing a little bit on the higher end of his expected value. Dalvin Cook, the savior, uh, is, is is now here. Uh, I, I kind of jest, but I think he has full uh, agency of the number three back uh, after Melly had the, the fumble, which I think actually might have been a blessing in disguise, by the way, guys. Because, you know, Melly had a lot of, uh, you know, institutional... Uh, backing so to speak having been here all year and being good guy greg but that fumble might really open things up to actually see him get used dalvin if he's better um but i don't know if he's gonna be better for what it's worth but i think all right so so hold on i I gotta push back a little bit i gotta push back a little bit here on this running narrative this running narrative here okay so keaton mitchell suffered his injury against the chargers right was it i'm almost positive against the chargers i believe i believe so yeah going into the bye Oh. Or no, 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 no. Hold on. You guys are right. No, no, it, no, no. He did play in the Rams game. Did he play. Yeah, it was Rams was it game. Against, yeah. It was against Jacksonville. Against Jacksonville. Sorry, I knew it was a Sunday night game. So we really don't have a large sample size on this. So you look against San Francisco. That was the first game. We've only seen two games with the starting offense out there um, without Keaton. And yeah, so against San Francisco... Not terribly great. Ramar was able to do his thing. Gus, nine carries for 31 yards. Justice, only 10 for 26. Against the Dolphins, of course, though, much different story. 32 carries, 160 yards, five yards per carry, two touchdowns. Um, You know, Justice Hill, granted, it was really just one big run. You know, 41 yards on one run. He had three carries in total, 48 yards. So, not too much you can tell from there. Gus was actually pretty good. 16 for 68, 4.3. You know, not a huge day from him, not a bad one either. Um, I just don't think we have enough data really yet to say yes or no that the run game has been significantly impacted, you know, without Keaton. And I think, you know, you look at this game, sure, the Ravens didn't get a, a ton out of it, but 
you know, I, I think again, it goes kind of back to the narrative. You don't want to run Gus so many times to, to get him in a groove because then you're exposing him to injury, right? Same thing goes with justice. And also we know that this offense benefits so much in the run game when Lamar Jackson is back there. Tyler Huntley is just not the same running threat as Lamar Jackson. We've talked about this so many times that, that you know, <laughs> that yes, Huntley can run. That does not mean that he's as effective as Lamar Jackson. You know, it's, it's, it, I can run they're too. They're completely <laughs> different types of, of athletes, you know? So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that, yeah. you know, it is something that going into the postseason, I hope the coaches are looking at it and, and they're looking at it like, hey, look, we did lose a big weapon here with Keaton. We have trust in Gus. We have trust in Justice. Dalvin's done a lot with his career. Maybe he's got something left in the tank. And obviously there's Lamar back there, but, you know, I, I, I still don't know that we know enough to say like one way or the other, you know, if this running game is, is um, you know, ineffective without Keaton, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm concerned. I think, we, like you said, Peter, we don't have enough of a sample size. So like <laughs> when Keaton got hurt, I was just concerned and I'm still concerned because like I haven't seen enough either way to make me feel warm and fuzzy. But I don't I, – I truly don't care. I think the offense will be fine. Like, I don't think the running game needs to be the focus. Like, if you can't get the running game going with Lamar Jackson and uh, and, the, and all the passing weapons we have now, and you can't keep them off balance, then that's a bigger problem. I think that's a blocking problem, you know, <laughs> or something, because I definitely think uh, – it should be okay. So I, I'm not, I'm not horribly concerned. I just think it won't be as explosive. I think that's the number one thing. I like, I, I think the explosive play threats definitely decreased. Um, and you know, explosives in the run game are fun. So, but overall, we'll be. I think we'll be okay there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think my main, I mean, we'll gain just the context of the game, right? Steelers knew what we were going to try and do. We're going to run the ball. We're going to throw it throw these short passes. We know Huntley doesn't have the arm to be able to do the same things that Lamar can do. And it was so, it was just so ineffective. Right. Um, and I mean, from, again, from my perspective, it, it, part of it, I think is a continuation of the run game, just being like sort of different with the Keaton injury over the last couple of weeks. But I think you're right, Peter, like there is an aspect of like, you know, this game tells us what I think everybody's already starting to realize is that Lamar is the MVP. When you take him out, the offense looks very different, not only in the pass game, but in the run game too. So I think the, you know, the good news for the offense too, um, and we have seen this over the last couple of weeks, is just they're way more explosive in the pass game, um, particularly over the last couple of weeks, even though the run game isn't generating those explosive plays, we're generating a ton of plays uh, in the pass game uh, with Lamar. So, you know, if the first team offense, everyone comes out healthy and, you know, in the divisional round, like I, I feel like, you know, I feel like the Steelers game is not really a speed bump. It's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just a game we had to get through to be able to get to the playoffs. The last final comment I have personally on this game before we get into other stuff we want to talk about this episode, and maybe I'm just being paranoid, but I just look at this game and I think the Ravens played it correctly in the sense that, you know, they didn't go all out to try and win it. Um, should Lamar have played a, f- a few drives or not? That's something we can debate later. Um, but, you know, one unfortunate side effect of what the Ravens did is the Pittsburgh Steelers are now in the playoffs. Nine and eight. 
They are the seventh seed after Jacksonville lost. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that CBS picked up. There were several Steelers fans at the Tennessee Stadium, all decked out, uh, waving the <laughs> terrible towels, <laughs> rooting for the Jaguars to lose so they'd make the playoffs. I mean, obviously we're not Steelers fan, but I think you have to respect that dedication there. <laughs> but, you know, I would not be shocked. I think there is a non-zero chance here that the Ravens divisional playoff game will be a repeat of this game. I am not convinced that the bills will 100% beat the Steelers. I think that the bills will win that game, but I've seen enough from the bills this year to know that they are a weaker bills team than we have seen in years past. And Josh Allen just, I don't know what's going on with him this year. He just feels like he's just going to throw the ball wherever. I don't think he cares. He doesn't care if it goes to his guys, into the stands, he into does. the opposing. <laughs> you know, gosh, even even at Sean McDermott, like pretty like aggressively calling him out in the in the halftime interview before they all went into the tunnel. I mean, yeah, you know, and their defense is not what it's been in years past. Look, I I think Buffalo will win that game. I think they'll win that game. All I'm saying is, I think there's a chance the Steelers win. And then you got the Steelers coming into Baltimore with the confidence of like, hey, look, you know, we can put some asterisks on here, but they did they did sweep us this year. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting one. Again, like I said, I think Baltimore played it right. I do not think they should have tried to go all out and win the game. But you did leave open an interesting scenario that I think, you know, we, we we we'd like to avoid going forward, even though on paper. It feels like if that matchup happened, we should be able to beat the Steelers pretty easily. Oh, the Steelers. Look, man, uh, <laughs> if we can't beat those guys, uh, and I'm going to give them a little bit more respect than you did. Ten and seven. Okay. <laughs> a whole. Oh, there's ten, ten and seven. Se- All right. Yeah. They were Apologies 10 and seven. to Steve. But they had negative 20 point differential and they were like bottom half of the league. They are frauds. The 2023 Ravens have a 203-point differential. We are not frauds. If we lose <laughs> to the frauds in the divisional, shame on us. Like, I, I, can't, I can't be, like, worried about this. I understand, like, yeah, they, they have some confidence, but, like, I don't think the Ravens are going to think, like, any, I, think it, I think it's, like, almost the right blend. It makes the Ravens a little hungry because they haven't done it yet this year. But they, like, actually have the horses. Whereas the, well, the Steelers might be a little overconfident. That they can do it and like they do not have the horses <laughs> so i i definitely think uh we should be able to win that game confidently uh and and shame on us if we don't because like they're actually the worst team right <laughs> the afc playoffs in fact by point differential perspective they are probably the worst team in the playoffs yep they are uh so yeah they're they're like so bad there's not the next closest team is uh the eagles at, at one so, all the Eagles, wow, they've fallen far. I know, haven't they? It's incredible. But, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I just can't, I can't be worried about the Steelers being a bite, bite in our butts. Like, I would love to see them. If they beat, if they, if they beat the Bills, that'd be my favorite team. But, like, I've said in the chat multiple times, I'm not here to get, like, the best person to come into the bank that, like, I think we have the highest winning percentage. Nameless, faceless opponents. Let's kick their butts. And like move on, <laughs> like I don't care who you have to play. January Joe, bring it. Like C.J. Stroud, bring it. <laughs> Every single team, bring it. I'm like I don't care. Uh, Miami, sure. <laughs> uh, 
bring it. Like I'm just that, that's my mentality with all these teams. I don't I, I don't care. It's so yeah. clear to me that we're the best team in the AFC. Like all we have to do now is take care of business. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the Watt, I mean, the Watt injury, I think, is really gonna really gonna hurt them for sure. I mean, they have other great players on defense, but um, you know, I kind of look at it and like, yeah, okay, yeah, they beat like yeah, they beat us, but I don't think that they're I don't necessarily think that they're a team that's hot right now. Um, which I mean can happen, right? Teams can go and you know play really hot and then you know catch fire in the playoffs. They don't really feel like a team like that. Um, you know, I think their defense is playing well. Um, I think it could be exploited. I think you know, obviously the weather I think was difficult. I think Huntley is a quarterback. I think just couldn't challenge them in the same way that Lamar can. Um, and their offense, I mean, I, kudos to them. I guess, you know, their running game is a lot better. Uh, I remember so many games playing against Najee where he would get like three yards of carry and just look awful, but get a touchdown in a random place in the game. This game, him and Warren look pretty good, but then you have Rudolph, you know? Yeah, he could make some good throws. Um, and he did this game, but, you know, long-term, game-to-game, like, does it really feel like a team that's going to get hot and win a couple games? I don't know. Very iffy. I do definitely agree with you, though. There's a non-zero chance that they could beat Buffalo because Buffalo is like, they are the Jekyll and Hyde of this playoffs here, man. Like, they will, they can win any game. They can lose any game. Sometimes yeah. it feels like in the same game. Like, it, I'm it would worried about the me. Oh, I'm not, wor- I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about them at all. I'm not, I say I'm most worried about them. I don't know if I'm not worried. Like, I'm not saying I'm not worried. Like, I, I maybe, maybe the Chiefs a little bit more, but I would say I'm, I'm most worried about the Bills in a way. Just because no. they're, they're so Jekyll and Hyde. Like, you don't know what you're going to get. At least, like, the Chiefs, nah. you know. It's like they got no wide receivers. Nah. <laughs> you know? No, no. I think, well, I mean, I, they're, I, I don't know. They're like a weirder version of the Ravens, man. It's like, you know, all the, all the losses, all the losses even before this one, we were just like, oh, man, why did we lose these teams? We beat ourselves, right? Bills are like that, but like times 10. They make so many more stupid mistakes and things like that. I mean, somehow single-handedly, Josh Allen just like making crazy, crazy dumb mistakes and things like that. I don't know. I I wouldn't get worried about that. The only team in the playoffs that really worry me has nothing to do with Joe Flacco is everything but the Cleveland Browns. Their defense is still playing good. That's fair. And they're just freaking bullies on their offensive line. And like they know we, they have a, they have a roster that matches up pretty well against us. And it's just because we're not built for that. We, you know, we built our team for like the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills, <laughs> not for the Browns. I'm concerned about Pittsburgh. I do think they're hot. They are plus 37 over their uh, last three games. This offense has actually, Mason Rudolph has actually unlocked this passing offense. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are looking like the playmakers. They should have looked like all season and still are. Um, defensively, the TJ Watt injury is huge. Um, I think when you always have to respect a Mike Tomlin led team, even though it has been several years since he's made a deep playoff run, you'd say the same thing about John Harbaugh as well. But yeah, I, you look, I look at the AFC playoff picture and honestly, I think that the, the only, what I will say is I do think you are right. The Bills, they are very Jekyll and Hyde, but you do have to respect they have a five-game win streak. They're 7-2 at two at home, you know, 500 on the road, so you like that this game's in Buffalo. Hopefully that is enough to get just get the Steelers out of the picture. But 
man, yeah, the Steelers and Browns, I think, are the two teams, honestly, for me, outside of the Bills, that I have the most concern about with the playoffs. Um, Dolphins, if we had to go to Miami, I'd be concerned. I don't think they're a good road team uh, this year. And actually, they really haven't been a good road team for some time, even even the past two seasons before that. Um, Kansas City, I think they're done. Um, and Houston, Houston's interesting, but I mean, rookie quarterbacks, a uh, rookie quarterbacks never made their way to the Super Bowl in NFL history. Now it's the first time for everything, but you know, I'm I'm not too concerned about that personally. But we'll see. If I'm looking at the teams that actually scare me right now, as far as ch- real challengers to the Ravens. In the field, I think it's the Bills, number one, the Browns, number two, and then the Steelers, number three for me. And I'm being serious about that. I respect it. And I think, um, you know, it's reasonable for you to say all that considering the only losses we have to these play or these teams in the playoffs in the AFC side uh, are against <laughs> the Browns and the Steelers. <laughs> so yeah. reasonable. Uh, I think I want to pose this question to you guys. Uh, this is how I always like to think about opponents. Because I always have that like mantra of like everyone in the playoffs is good, they deserve to be there, blah blah blah. Except for maybe the Steelers, uh, <laughs> but but uh, like I want to, I want the best box set, you know, like give me a good box set. And I think the best box set for uh, Ravens Super Bowl victory would be bring Joe Flacco to the bank, so play the Browns, and then I would want to play the Bills because it would be a redemption arc for the 2020 season where we just barely lost to them in uh, Buffalo. They come to our house, they lose. And then uh, we'll, we'll see about the Super Bowl. I would say I'd, I would say it probably won San Francisco just because like, the two best Devoa teams like going after it, uh, a repeat of the Super Bowl 47, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I think, I think that's my box set. How about you guys? I think yours is good. I think yours is good. And honestly, it might be my number one pick, but I'm going to give an alternative one that I like uh, pretty close to that just to keep this interesting. I'll say that my box set would be that the Steelers do upset the Bills and they come here and we have to prove that we actually were the better team. The, you know, no, no asterisks there. That 2-0 didn't mean anything. We get through that game. Then the AFC Championship is the rematch with Flacco. I think that... Oh! Uh, yep, he'll, he'll get right. him all the way there. Get him all the way there and then we send Joe back to the couch at, at that game. And then for the Super Bowl... You know, I we've seen a lot of of the Ravens in San Francisco. I want to say, and I would be shocked if this happens, but I'm going to say I would I would think the better box set would be we go up against the Cowboys. Just because of the allure of Cowboys. What's that? Just because of the allure of Cowboys and like oh, the, I think the, so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you I, know, I think that's I, reasonable. I thought about yeah. it too. Yeah. I would, and that would, be, that would be a really interesting one. I would be really interested to see what side the national media would take on that one because I feel like the Cowboys get so much crap for being has-beens, you know, the, the dynasty of yesteryear. Um, but, you know, I think they do still have a lot of fans as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, Baltimore's never been a media darling, certainly not the Ravens. Um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson has gotten, you know, has he's had a lot of media, but a lot of detractors as well, so... You know, I think that could be a really interesting one. You got our defense going up against a uh, Cowboys offense that would be hot at that point. You know, if they made it that far, uh, that could be really interesting. And uh, Lamar, look, that Cowboys defense been inconsistent, but when they've been on, they've been on. So that could be a really, really interesting matchup if it came down to that. Yeah, I think initially just to answer, I feel like I had a blend of what you guys mentioned. Um, 
think, yeah, I was, I was going to say like Steelers, Browns, just because we've, you know, three of our losses come from those teams, um, three out of the four. So beating them again uh, for the third game in this each for the third game of the season for each mm-hmm. one, that'd be nice, mm-hmm. especially with the Joe Flacco storyline. Like, like it's got to happen. That's like the that's like the the Vader uh, the Vader Obi Wan Kenobi moment, you know. Um, <laughs> like you got we gotta have you gotta have that. Um, and then yeah, Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, right now, man. Like I feel like it's weird. Like I ordinarily don't like to say that it's just like the one seeds going there, but like the Niners are such a complete team, and I don't know every other like NFC team are just like deeply flawed or just have tons of injuries. Like as much as I'd love to say like the Bucks or something like. I mean, they just barely snuck in, man. Like they're nine and eight. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, Baker's playing good, but is he going to play good enough to to beat all those other teams? Uh, I don't know. I will say I'm a little concerned about the Cowboys. I was I was trying to figure this out. Like, what NFC team has the biggest appeal? Because that really drives ticket prices, you know, for uh for a Super Bowl game. If like we don't get the lottery, and I'm like, man. Like I'm just so curious, like if what the what the what the prices would be for uh, a big team like the Cowboys. But I think San Francisco is just as big, so that doesn't really help. Um, I don't know. It'd have to be like the Bucks, <laughs> like you were saying, Chris, like to like keep prices down. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, which maybe. would be funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Do we, think, do we think the do we think the Packers are going to make some noise? I mean, I know we're talking I, I think the, the Packers now, are the best seven like, seed in a long, long time. I mean, there haven't been that many seven seeds, frankly, but I think they might be the best seven seed ever. I would love to look at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they. Uh, I feel like the, the whole season they were kind of looking at looking on the outside, looking in, and uh, yeah, they were able to sneak in the last the last second. Jordan Love's playing pretty good. Um, he could do some damage. They're trending up for sure. Whereas, like, you have some of the other teams, like. Um, you know, Philadelphia has been trending down a little bit. Um, I think the Bucks are probably they're probably right where they were, um, and uh, you know, other teams like the Chiefs and Dolphins and stuff like that they're trending down. So you never know. Yeah, I feel like out of the you know other low seeds, um, they're probably the one that I would I would put if if I were putting money on it, like I would say that they probably um, have the best chance of making it further of all the the low seed low seeded teams. Yeah, with all the parity. You know, in the league this year, it really it could be a very interesting, you know, upset riddled postseason. Um, or it could also be, you know, since it's been to- so top heavy as well, just, you know, just just one straight to the Super Bowl Ravens Niners uh, as they knock off, you know, the Bills and the Cowboys, respectively, in the in their championship games. You know, one or the other is either going to go exactly as planned or it's going to be total chaos. I feel like there's no there's going to be no in between. <laughs> guys what else are we going to talk about problem is we got we've got like two weeks until our next <laughs> yeah. game i don't know what we're going to do this is like the I off know. season <laughs> <laughs> well i mean next week we should we're going to know who the ravens are playing right so i guess we'll we'll we can do the matchup preview. breakdown then yeah that pulling all the them. stops try to get a guest really do it up you know peter you had a study do you want to talk to us about the resting, I, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the chart. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely got some interesting things, but it might be more useful to talk about it next episode. Um, yeah, because I'll actually say the the initial study showed first off, there's actually 
What's fascinating about it is not many in the past decade, which is as far back as I did the study, very few teams that have secured the buy rest their starters. Like the Ravens are in the high minority of that, of teams who did that. And um, so only a five-game sample size, but teams that did do that do have a losing record at two and three. Um, but again, we're dealing with a very small sample size. So uh, I thought that part of it was interesting. Um, but again, you can look at those games and there's some... You know, there's some backstory that you can look into it. A lot of those teams had young quarterbacks. Uh, like you had Carolina in there with Cam in Cam Newton's first playoff game. Obviously, Lamar had played in the playoffs, but that was he was young, still in his career. Um, Dak Prescott's first uh, playoff game. That was three of the games right there. The other two, inexplicably, Pittsburgh lost to Jacksonville um, after resting their starters in, back in 2017. That was... That's one I don't know how you explain away. Um, it was one other game. I'll have to look closer at that. Yeah. But I was really fascinated to see that that resting starters is, um, in, in recent times, has been a, a, a very, you know, uncommon practice. Because I feel like it used to be pretty commonplace. I mean, gosh, week 17 used to always be Curtis Painter week, it felt like, you know, for the Colts. That's, that's what I remember. Um, maybe if yeah. I, if I go back a further decade, you know, there, there'll be, there'll have be more instances of it, but, um, that was the part that was most surprising was that, you know, teams aren't resting starters these days if they've secured the buy. Yeah, definitely interesting. Uh, nice teaser for the study, <laughs> but I guess before we wrap up, we want to talk about the regular season recap of kind of like position groups, sort of maybe like give a scorecard and, uh, we'll start with quarterback, give it the layup. Lamar Jackson having an MVP level season. Hopefully wins it. We believe he should. Uh, stayed healthy the whole time. Give it a big old A. I think so. Even with Huntley's performance, um, you know, in the game, it was only really one game. Well, I guess he came in. He came in a couple other games. Um, yeah, they, little, when they announced it, Pro Bowl, Tyler Huntley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, yeah, for lim- limited plays. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think it was Huntley's best season, you know, as a pro. I mean, you know, I think uh, 2021, you know, obviously he came in for a couple of games, but, um, but yeah, I mean, with Lamar playing this year, definitely. A. Yeah. I mean, look, can we knock him for, you know, not, a, not throwing for the 6,000 passing yards he said he would. I mean, obviously we, we all knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, would have not been nice to see him break 4,000 would have seen been nice to see him throw th- for over 30 touchdown passes. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, really, you know, the, the numbers, they don't really mean as much if, if you did what you needed to do, you got, they got, he got the job done. The numbers are good numbers. They're not numbers that you take the record away and you look at them and you, you say it was necessarily a great year. In my opinion, just because of what the, how high quarterback numbers are inflated in today's NFL a decade ago, those numbers look great in today's NFL. They look, I don't want to say pedestrian, but not necessarily MVP worthy, but you know, in my opinion, that kind of shows why stats are in a sense overrated. You know, it's like, what did you do to, to benefit the team? Lamar did everything to benefit the team that he could. Um, he also had some touchdowns dropped by receivers this year. We know that that number actually probably should be at third. Sure. I mean, we're number four in the league for points scored by the offense. So. Mm-hmm. Feels good. 
feels good enough. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, we're, and we had two stinkers in there, uh, one game without Lamar. And uh, yeah, I mean, right. definitely. Okay. Like, All right. My, my, my point with this, my point with his numbers is simply like, if I, if, if I told you, you know, going into the season, you know, the MVP candidate for the league, you know, will have 3,600 passing yards right. and 24 touchdowns. Like, and you don't see the name attached to it. You don't see what the situation was. I don't think you necessarily in a vacuum think that that's an MVP performance is, was my yeah. point there. <laughs> but um, you do probably think it's Lamar Jackson, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, yeah, him or Jalen Hurts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that That screams like, okay, probably a running quarterback, probably a magician, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there are a lot of quarterback injuries this season. A whole heck yeah. of a lot of them. So, I mean, yeah. even the, the playing field is a lot smaller than it usually is. For sure. Uh, Chris, do you want to lead in running back? Yeah, running back. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, I mean, I think overall, um, this position group had higher potential, I think, that we were hoping for. Uh, the Dobbins injury, I think, really put a damper on things early. Um, you know, Gus has done well, uh, set career uh, career highs and touchdowns, rushing yards uh, below in yards per carry, um, as we've been relying on him a lot more this season. Uh, Justice Hill, I think it's his best year, but, you know, in the middle, you know, wasn't really used a whole lot. I think he was overtaken by Keaton Mitchell. Um, Keaton, I think everyone here would agree, um, although he got hurt in the Jacksonville game, uh, I think from what we saw from him, A, on his limited snaps. So, you know, as a whole, um, you know, I, I think, I feel like I give this group kind of like a B, um, rounding out. I think, you know, injuries, I think, sapped us of a lot of the potential that we thought um, could have definitely been an A if everyone was healthy. But, uh, you know, I, I will say looking, you know, I don't want to look too far forward here, but uh, this is definitely a group that's going to be in transition going into 24. Um, so, you know, could certainly could, could go up, could go down. Um, I think it depends on a, a lot of who's going to be here next year and, you know, uh, what the situation is going to be like. I actually give this group a little bit of a higher grade. Um, I, I think they're very close to an A minus, maybe a very high high B plus. Um, the reason I say that is I think that this is the most effective year I can recall where we had the top guy go down and all, everyone behind him had to take on a bigger role than they had in their career. Even Gus. I mean, Gus has never been asked to be the lead guy for an extended period, the extended period of time that he's had to be. Um, maybe he's never, he was never really a true lead guy at any point this year, but he's been RB one on the depth chart. Um, since the injury Keaton Mitchell was really close to to eclipsing him but I don't even though there were some games where he started over him I don't know if he ever out carried Gus I'd have to go back and look at that maybe maybe in the the Chargers game he might have but um yeah I mean you look at that I mean there's been so many seasons where our offense has had to become one-dimensional in recent memory um after injury to Dobbins injury to Gus injury to you know whoever um and sure we would have liked the a little more production from Gus. It certainly seems like he, while he had a career high in touchdowns, he met, he's probably lost a step athletically. Um, Justice Hill has flashed, but hasn't quite been what we wanted. And Keaton, unfortunately, his health didn't fully um, pan out. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can give it an A because no one reached their absolute potential of those three that you would have wanted. But I think collectively, what the Ravens, have, how the Ravens were able to continue to 
you know, not lose a step in the rushing game when J.K. Dobbins, unfortunately, you know, went out way too early this year. Um, I think overall a very, very strong year from that unit. Interesting. I'm going to stick to my laurels. You're kind of convincing me to maybe push it up, but I was just going to go with the C, just a solid average. I don't think they were detrimental to the group, but I don't think they uh, lifted the baseline terribly much. And uh, I think they're about expectation for a running back group. So I'll stay with C. I could see C plus, but I'm going to stick to it. Hmm. 17 big runs from the, from the running backs and 18 touchdowns not doing much for you? <laughs> How many of those touchdowns were under three yards? <laughs> Still touchdowns. Like, I sure. I just like, I mean, there, there, there was a lot of vulturing going on and uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just okay. I'm 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 gonna stick to it, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was good. To see explosive plays. I thought, you know, what I would say was the most surprise was the uh, large receptions for running backs. I like the incorporation of the running back in the offensive scheme. I like the checkdowns to the running backs a lot. I thought that was great, and I looked to see that expanded. So, I, you know, like I said, you, you convinced me of C plus easily. Maybe I'll even like ghost C plus it, but uh, I just wanted to say what, what my original thoughts were before I got tainted. Peter, why don't, you, why don't you give us some wide receiver takes? Yeah, wide receiver takes is a really, really interesting one. Really, really interesting one. Um, you know, I, I think we came into the season with super high hopes for this group. And it was a real roller coaster season for so many guys here not named Zay Flowers. If we're talking about just Zay Flowers, um, this group gets a solid A. I, th- I think Zay Flowers came in here and did exactly what we ex- what we what our best hopes could have been for him for this year, right? Coming in first season in the NFL, breaks Torrey Smith's receiving rec- record for rookie, um, finished uh, 28th in the NFL yeah. in receptions, even though he did finish um, outside of the top 32 in, in receiving yards, um, has made some incredible plays, 12 big plays. Um, he, he's been great. Outside of that, um, I think everyone else has, has been either as expected um, or quite frankly, a disappointment. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, I think, is what we thought he'd be. He'd make some big plays here and there and then, you know, disappear in other games. Um, Odell started out strong, then he got hurt, then he looked like he was on his way out of the league, then he caught wind again and looked pretty good down the stretch. Um, and Rashad Bateman just doesn't get thrown to. And <laughs> unfortunately, has had a few more drops than you would have liked to see this year. So, Zay definitely brings the group up, but I think that, you know, the, the rest of the guys just with the high expectations that we had that didn't quite get met. Um, so I guess we've got to throw Duvernay in there too. I said at the beginning of the season, I didn't think Duvernay was going to, going to be buried. He was buried. I was wrong. Uh, he's, he had like one Did he have, he might've had one reception this year against Cincinnati and that's week two game. And that was it. I can't remember anything beyond that. So yeah, yeah. I give this group a, a, a C plus, which pains me to say, because I think that um, a lot of good happened there, but I think it was way too heavily weighted towards one player, which was Zay Flowers. And um, I don't think we thought it was going to be that heavily weighted when we uh, when we went into this season. Yeah, you know what? I, I feel like you're kind of spot on. I was going to give, I was thinking as you were doing it, C plus as well. And yeah, the the point on Duvernay, I think is a great, uh, great observation of, you know, obviously, you know, he was a good, um, role a situational player in the Greg Roman offenses, but um, 
you know, and we, you know, we knew he was a weapon in the return game as well. I think this was definitely a down year for him uh, just across the board. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think this group has a lot more that they can offer and I think they will in the playoffs. But if we're just looking at regular season expectations, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like as Ravens fans, we think that we bring in like receivers and, you know, we're going to like tear the league by storm and everything. That didn't really happen. Um, Obviously played really well. Um, but you know, as we've kind of said, you know, stats aren't everything. Um, so I, I, I feel like from a statistical perspective, yeah, maybe like C plus maybe, maybe, maybe B, B minus if I'm being a little bit more fair, some guys made big catches, uh, you know, throughout the season, it just didn't add up to, you know, the stats that we were expecting. I was going to give him a B and the, my rationale is that, uh, Zay flowers met and exceeded all expectations. I think, frankly, from anybody. Bateman was a disappointment. I think Odell Beckham was right on. He was kind of exactly what we thought he'd be. Uh, Maybe the stats weren't quite as high as we were hoping, but that can kind of go back to playing, honestly, winning football. I think they didn't have to push the envelope too much, um, you know, late in games to pass the ball to kind of force the issue. Um, And that's why we saw them be, the. uh, I think, I had it up, let's see. They're the fourth highest in touchdowns, but running back. So I started looking at it and we were number one in running, excuse me, but not number one in uh, average per carry, but yeah, number one rushing yards, but you know, obviously a huge density. Our attempts was the highest by uh, at 541. So, you know, we just didn't have many passing opportunities. Uh, I think, you know, I, I said Bateman was a disappointment and for all the disappointment he was, Aguilar was a surprise, pleasant, you know, and I thought Aguilar played quite well. I'm not too concerned about Duvernay at that point being wide receiver five, not doing what we were hoping. <laughs> and and same thing with Tylen Wallace, you know, Hey, I think, you know, mattering where you want to put it, Tylen Wallace, special teams, uh, number one, apparently number one red zone play of the year, which is wild to me. I was like, man, the NFL didn't have that many good plays. I'm not saying it was a bad play. Like I'm not trying <laughs> to take away from it, but I'm just like, really? That's number one. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was a great play, but, uh, just didn't strike me as number one of the whole year. Well, moving on to the tight end, um, yeah, I mean, this is another you know another position group we like running back. We talked to next man up. Um, I feel like P plus. Um, I, I feel like I got to be honest. Uh, Andrews before the injury was also playing really well. Um, had a lot of touchdowns early on the season. Once he went down, obviously very sad. And we still hope that there's a chance they can come back. But uh, likely, I, I think I, I I personally was down on him in the beginning of the season. I felt that you know the opportunities he was getting just wasn't making plays, but uh, I tell you, man, as soon as he's been uh, asked to to step into Andrew's shoes, I think he's been playing fantastic. Um, really exceeded my expectations in terms of assuming that, you know, tight end one role with Andrews being down. And, uh, you know, Culler's played well. Um, you know, he's gotten a little bit more involved, um, particularly, you know, since the injury. I think he's done, um, you know, done what I expected from him. And then, you know, Ricard, if we're rounding it out, I mean, Ricard, honestly, I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a little shocked. I think at his usage. I mean, we definitely had a lot of questions about how Todd Munkin offense was going to use a Patrick Ricard, and I mean, he still found place to get involved. Um, you know, primarily in the blocking game, um, but you know, I think he, he runs routes. <laughs> he is a, uh, you know, he is a factor. Um, maybe not the most important factor of this passing offense, but he is a factor. So, not much to add. I thought uh, B plus as well for this unit. And I think another great year of likely, I think the only quibble I would have is that they did not find a way 
to effectively use Likely and Andrews at the same time, which was one of my number one uh, excitements going into the year. I thought our 12 personnel was going to be absolutely devastating. I thought that uh, Munkin's experience with Bowers uh, and the other guy <laughs> at Georgia would, would result in a 12 personnel set that would take the world by storm. And it wasn't really quite that. At least it wasn't um, equitable. You know, Likely it was uh, not doing too much. And, you know, maybe that'll be a big expansion next year. But solid B plus, and like you said, Kohler, I thought showed improvement. And Ricard, I loved his um, presence in this offense. And I'm actually extremely keen to understand what they do with him next year. I'm wondering if this offensive line experiment will actually go full throttle. Because imagine <laughs> having an extra player on the roster and having Ricard be the Sala this year. You know, eh? just opens up another spot. Like if he can, if he can legitimately in an emergency situation be a guard, and I honestly think he could, because he effectively is like a better six lineman. Whenever we put him out there, um, I, I, I want to see that. I want to see like the final form of Ricard <laughs> of like potentially being a lineman, and then and then going ahead and, uh, yeah. I don't know, like if you have to change his number, what the reporting issues would be, et cetera. But that's <laughs> that that's a, a 2024 tease. Is like Ricard, you you gonna play more with the line? <laughs> yeah, the the offensive linemen are gonna be the, the last position group that'll be allowed to you know be able to pick whatever whatever number they want. Like all, all the rest of the uh, positions are slowly. I think, being it, able I think to never. I, we were actually talking about it on the way of the game. I think uh, I think they have it that because like they need to report as eligible. That's a good point. We 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 have recently been reminded of the you know <laughs> exactly. the chaos that can ensue when <laughs> um, we're not sure who is an elig- eligible or not. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think you guys are, are right on there. I might squeeze it to an A minus, but I think that Alec, you bring up a really good point of just the fact that it feels like this offense could reach another step if they're able to you know effectively use two tight ends at once. Like you said, likely didn't get his shot until Andrews was down and. You know, now that Likely's in, you know, Kolar has an opportunity for more, but he's really, you know, he's made some plays, but he really hasn't been a huge part of, of the game plan. That'll be interesting to see if that uh, changes in the playoffs. Um, Ricard uh, smashing everyone's expectations. You know, a lot of chatter of, you know, he was just a product of a Greg Roman offense. He's got no place in the NFL after with Greg Roman gone. Everyone forgot about the part where Munkin molds his offensive scheme to to the personnel who are there, and Ricard found a, a great spot to continue his career and was very effective. You know, arguably should have been a Pro Bowler this year over Ingold, but you know, less receptions means less exposure to you know national media, I guess, and uh, he didn't get it. But yeah, I mean, great, great, great uh, year from this group. Um, I think the only thing that could have made it better is if is if Andrews, when he wasn't here, was you know his his ultimate form. I think that he was really good this year, but maybe not quite as good as he'd been in years past. Um, maybe that would have he would have really turned it on had he not gotten hurt. But um, still, very good year from this group. Which now brings us to a fun one: offensive line. Oh man, <laughs> offensive line is such an interesting one to look at. Uh Gosh, I mean, unfortunately for this group, very old in some ways, very young in others. Um, I think we'll start off with the start off with the good is, look, we can debate whether or not the Ravens should have drafted a center where they did. But Tyler Linderbaum is a stud. He had a strong rookie campaign. Um, He's in the Pro Bowl this year. He's deserved it. He's been a rock all year, has room to grow, but he's been phenomenal. 
Outside of that, obviously, Stanley and Moses have battled injuries all year. Um, Zeitler had a slow start to the year, but then solidified himself, had a good year. Simpson was up and down. There were some times he'd make really good plays. Other times he'd make penalties that just, you know, made you shake your head. We've had the the tackle rotations. Um, very hard for me to grade this group. Um, I am going to give them a solid C. I think that there was some good. I think that they didn't hurt the offense and in some ways, you know, helped us get through the running back injuries that we did. But, um, you know, 37 sacks to Lamar is a bit much. There were certainly games where you would have liked to see him have more room to move in the pocket, more time back there than he did. Um, a group that certainly has you worried come, you know, with these postseason coming up. Um, but look, I, I think what really gets him to the C over a C minus or D plus grade is the creativity of the coaching staff to be able to get this idea late in the season to do this rotation. Um, and how, you know, has it been perfect? No, but I think it was an out of the box idea that has seemed to really, um, you know, put some life in this unit and really help the team down the stretch. B minus. And my argument for that is, um, you know, I think McCary exceeded expectations. Folele exceeded expectations. Um, Linderbaum exceeded expectations. Stanley Moses, uh, a little bit below. So, um, you know, I guess if you look at that, that's, you know, you put in two players for two other players, that's replacement level, and then bump it up a little bit because those replacements played better than I expected a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I say B minus. Um, another group, I think, just, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead, but it's certainly going to be a group in transition. We're going to be a lot of questions next year. Certainly will be. For 2023, I'm giving them a C plus, but I could also see B minus. I was gonna, my, my quip was going to be C plus, but this is a, a, a curved class, so I might actually get to a <laughs> B minus. And the reason I say that yep. is offensive line play across the league is pretty poor, and we have so mm-hmm. much depth in the offensive line uh, that the fact that we can rotate our tackles and, and think like, oh, these are actually like NFL replacement level tackles it's not even like you're dropping off like it's impossible to say that for most teams to have uh, a third let alone a fourth tackle that can play uh, reasonable snaps that aren't total liabilities so I think that's worth something obviously you know uh, Linderbaum and Zeitler having good years to great years mattering on uh, the person we're talking about and then I think Moses is like it's like he's like low-key one of the best signings of the Costas tenure because of his cost to productivity obviously he was dealing with that Injury, which limited him, but um, I thought he battled and plays really well. Stanley is just its just such a disaster and, and sadness all around because I thought he was, like, showing promises, glimpses of being all pro Stanley again uh, end of last year, and, like, he was, like, turning it on, and then he had that week one injury, and it was just game over. He had a really interesting interview on the lounge. I recommend folks give it a listen, um, where he kind of gave perspective of, of he's basically having to relearn the position in many ways fighting through mm. these injuries. He's not able to use his body the way he once did and maybe that'll be better next year if he plays for the Ravens or whoever he plays for um in his ability to you know he has more time to kind of figure out his bodies or learn new tricks but basically he's having to learn like he can't get his body in certain positions without his body like failing on him you know his knee being upset uh that got injured early in the year so it's just it's just so tough but uh Simpson I think he has to go um I don't it's not he needs competition I think it's unacceptable for him to get the job pro bono or, or not. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like uh, just give it handle a silver platter. He needs to fight for it. So like I said, C minus or C plus 
with a B minus curve because of uh, overall play across the league. The defensive line, man, there's we're on a side defense and it's just like flowers everywhere. Like so much, so much good <laughs> stuff. But uh, I want to start it off with saying that Michael Pierce got rewarded. You know, interesting player got uh, a shortened contract as part of the Lamar Jackson negotiations. Essentially, they like did some shenanigans um, to change his contract, and then he gets re-signed to an extension, two years, seven point five million, which was uh, called by NFL salary cap on Twitter. Uh, McFarland saying, you know, the Ravens have done a lot of this where they extend guys at the end of the year so they can spread the bonuses. Uh, pretty smart move to do that. If you have the cap space, particularly for a guy like uh Pierce, who is a relatively low cap hit. I haven't seen like all the particulars, but I imagine he's getting like a million dollars or, you know, $4.5 million in bonus money. And it's like 1.5 this year, 1.5 next year, 1.5 next year. Uh, kind of thing, which is kind of just a savvy way of uh, spreading out the costs uh, because of the way that bonus spreading works. I don't think you can like tilt it in one direction or another. You have to do it uh, like peanut butter, smooth. But uh, yeah, I think it's cool that he got re-signed. That gives a little bit more stability going forward in a position that has a lot of uh, players that you don't know if they'll be back or not next year. So what's your grade? Oh, fair enough. I didn't get into everybody else. So like uh, <laughs> Matt VK, Daug. Uh, Travis Jones didn't do as much as I hoped. Um, I thought that he could do more. Brian Washington was a little bit of a disappointment given his contract extension and everything. Brett Urban, just like constant. So, uh, I think I have to give this group a solid B plus. I think Travis Jones is going to break out next year. <laughs> it has to happen. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. that follows the, the general curve, right? Of, right. Of yeah, these I guys. know. It's like, <laughs> it's like, see the potential. Teases it year two, and then year three is the year that they usually yeah. rocket ship or at least like really start showing it. He's got he's got so much potential, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean I think B plus is about right. Um yeah, I, I think this unit was incredibly strong against the pass this year. Pass rush like that was a question we had coming into the season. So many guys were really effective there, either in rushing the passer or in or in, you know, getting their hands up there, like Brent Urban and um uh Michael Pierce had a, had a couple pass deflections this year too. I, I believe I could be wrong about that, but um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think this unit could have been a little more consistent against the run. That's the one part that you look at, and I think you you knock them on a bit. The Ravens did finish middle of the pack uh, as far as rushing defense this year, and of course, not all of that's on the defensive line, but uh, you know, a good portion of it is. Um, and certainly, there were some games this year. You look at the game against Detroit, the game against Seattle. There were some other games where, um, you know, the running game, their defense was able to completely take away the opponent's uh, running game, and the the big guys up front had a big part in doing that. So, um, again, very good year for them. Uh, another high B plus there. Uh, not too much more to add. I think you hit on on uh, all the big storylines there. Pretty much same, um, especially for Matabike. I feel like Matabike is almost his own guy. I mean, Matabike, I feel like he's A plus. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I kind of doubted Calais before he left. He was like, you know, hey, I don't want to come back because you got these guys here who are amazing. And, uh, you know, we talked about Matabike being like, you know, always falling short of the potential that he felt he had. And I think this year, I mean, we were kind of down on him and then completely blew those expectations out of the water. I mean, his snap count, um, amazing. His sack productions, uh, you know, amazing. Um, you know, I think you bring up great points. Um, on the negative side, I think depth and, yeah, for guys like Travis and Broderick, like, you wanted to see a little bit more. They've shown more, um, but overall, a very solid group. 
But to go on to linebackers, and I guess we have to include outside linebackers and off-ball linebackers here. Uh, for me, I feel like A. Um, honestly, I mean, between Rowe and Queen continuing to elevate their game, play great, um, particularly in pass defense, have been great. Um, you know, for the outside linebackers, I feel like, you know, between Clowney and Van Noy picking them up late in the season, um, they set career highs for sacks. Huge reason for why the Ravens love letting the sacks this year, in addition to the defensive line. Um, you know, I feel like you can nitpick a little bit and say, like, you know, oh, he didn't play as well as he could, or Ojabo got hurt, or, you know, whatever. But I feel like there were enough contributors on this team that played at an exceptionally high level that I would just give it an A. Yeah, Adafi only had five sacks this year, which is a bit of a disappointment, like you said. I didn't know if you we were going to do inside linebacker or off, uh, outside linebacker uh, split up. In my head, I was doing the split up, and I said inside linebacker, A, like how can you deny that you had uh, you know, two pro bowlers <laughs> from the same team inside linebacker? I don't, that might be a first. And then you had um, outside linebacker, I was going to say B+, but I could even say uh, C, A-, minus. so I'm going to say as a whole, a whole group, solid A. Because Clowney, career year, uh, Van Noy, career year, and uh, those guys were just like mercenaries. Tyus Bowser didn't play a single snap, and they had to adjust and adjusted well, uh, kind of introducing a committed nickel team. Who would have thought it? And then, uh, yeah, I think like Tavius Robinson showed good flashes. Uh, you know, Malik Ham was hurt all year, but Jeremiah Moon even had some productivity. Malik Harrison, I thought is going to be a NFL survivor as far as playing great special teams and really adequate running down play. I think, you know, it's just, it's this the whole unit did so well. David Ojabo, we didn't even talk about him. He looked strong until he got hurt. You know, <laughs> I mean, this, this unit was out of control um, as far as uh, potential and then, and, and depth. I mean, Trent Simpson and Deshaun Phillips never really had to play snaps, but when they did, uh, like I said, I, I thought they looked competent. So just an unbelievably deep, and powerful group that uh, I think is the cornerstone of why this team on defense is so good. Yeah, uh, it's an A. I mean, we, we could nitpick here and, and, you know, the pass rush faded um, a little bit down the stretch, picked up a little bit these past few games. But I think, again, like we said, we're you're relying on some guys who've been in the league for a while, um, have a lot of tread on their tires. It's kind of expected at that point. I, I think that the Ravens, we've said it many times before, with with Clowney and Vinoy, they hit the biggest jackpots that they've hit with these free agent signings, these midseason, or, or excuse me, before season in Clowney's case, um, training camp cut uh, signings. And yeah, excellent season from that group, the, the rock of this defense. Absolutely great. Um, and then, of course, your secondary. Uh, Man, I, I think you got it another A. Um, again, just look at the the injuries that this uh, group has had to to weather. Marcus Williams got hurt early again. Geno Stone, what does he do? He comes in, plays phenomenal, uh, leads the league in interceptions in his time there. Marcus Williams comes back. He maintains that spot, gets a couple more picks, is second in the league, I believe, as it stands right now. Um, Brandon Stevens, what a year he's had. Uh, just a guy who's who's shown some potential. Um, just turned into a, rock, a lockdown corner this year. Marlon, um, not his best year, but I think still a very strong one. Obviously, he's given up a couple big plays, but I think that he's done a good job at figuring out where his body is and and you know adjusting his game to that. Um, 
kind of like we've uh, not to the extent that we've talked about with Stanley, but I think that he's had to go through a little bit of a, of a path like that as well this year. And then Ronald Darby, Arthur Millette, guys who come in, you know, we didn't know what to expect from them at all. They've been, they've been stalwart all year. Um, so, and Kyle, Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> we have so many good guys on this secondary that it almost made me forget to talk about the, the, the guy who's been the biggest star there all year. Just been a completely game changer for our defense. This is what you get when you have a quality franchise, a quality front office. It did not seem like we needed the safety when they drafted him. Of course, we knew that they wouldn't pass him up if he fell to us because of you know the, the hype around him. I don't know what the Falcons were thinking. With all due respect to Drake London, they could have definitely used him. So could a lot of those teams that passed on him. I'm so glad he's in Baltimore. That what he's doing in just season number two, man. Kyle Hamilton, the exclamation point on this A for this uh, Ravens secondary this year. That's the question, actually. You know, we, we traded immediately after that pick, uh, Hollywood Brown, and they had that huge wide receiver run. What wide receiver do they have higher on their board than Kyle Hamilton? Which one of these wide receivers would have ruined our opportunity to get Kyle Hamilton? Not that they're necessarily even bad players. It's just like that's a question worth asking. Um, but then again, like if if someone didn't take a wide receiver, they take Kyle Hamilton, right? So who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he he is just something else. I want to go a minus for this uh, this group, and I don't even want it to. Actually, I'm not going to. I'm taking it to just a full on A because the depth is unbelievable. It's I'm like it's like oh I'm a little disappointed in Marcus Williams and but he had an injury so like who knows oh same thing with uh, Marlon Humphrey injury so who knows but then the amount of like stud contributions from guys that were either off the street or not expected to play like that um, I like Stone I thought Stone was going to be good I, I wasn't terribly surprised that he had success frankly. Um, I think it was a little like exaggerated success, but it wasn't like I thought he was extremely competent play, and then he got a lot of ints, which was cool. Brandon Stevens, though, like unbelievable level jump, the biggest level jump uh, maybe we've covered, and uh, as far as doing the show together, Arthur Millette again, kind of like off the street, excellent slot signing, um, and then you know Hamilton is number one in the league, and uh, Darby excellent, and and Yassin not even that bad. But like again, surprising that he was uh, a <laughs> not not a starter. We thought like going in he'd be a starter, and then that's how much better everyone played than expectation. And then our Darius got hurt, so like just an unbelievable like the depth is what pushed it from an A minus to an A to me. Yeah, I was. I feel like my I feel like only my thought here is guys like like, like you guys mentioned guys like Hamilton, Mollet, Darby. Stevens, actually, I should say Hamilton Stevens and Mullet Darby. Um, those guys certainly push this group way up into an A. Um, my only, my only concern, really, it's funny we talk about depth being good, but uh, I do think it's somewhat top heavy. Um, I feel like when you get to the bottom of the depth chart, you're like, okay, who behind Mullet played nickel? The answer is really nobody. It was Kyle Hamilton, Mullet, or nobody. Um, Pepe. Uh, Armor Davis didn't really have significant snaps. Ardarius has been hurt. He just got, you know, he might be activated. Yeah. So really you're looking at like any of the young corners that we looked at last year. None of them really played at all. So, I mean, if I'm looking forward, I have no idea. They're all question marks. Fortunately, Stevens is still under contract, so he's good. Marlowe's obviously here. Um, but after that, I mean, there are a lot of mercenaries. So it worked out really well this year. Uh, but that's really my only concern. It's just the young depth. We have no idea what we have right now. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, special teams. So, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about Tucker, um, a little bit of below year for him. Um, you know, but still obviously very good. I think ended the season strong, made a bunch of field goals. Um, Stout, but definitely looked improved from last year. Um, I think it was a strong year for him. And then if we're looking at, you know, kick return, punt return, um, you know, obviously Duvernay got hurt. Um, I feel like it was a little bit of a down year for him. Uh, not his best um, in a lot of phases. But uh, we did have that exciting, uh, you know, punt return to win the game from Wallace um, near the end of the season. That was great. And, uh, you know, Justice Hill also kind of filled in on there as well um, as far as kick returns and had a couple of exciting runs as well. So um, I don't know. I feel like for me overall, maybe B? I think it was it was a good year. Uh, not the best, but I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to take off my uh, Baltimore bias of like special teams supposed to be like the best in the world, like all class and say we're B plus this year. Um, but it's not quite, you know, a minus or a, I think it's a solid B plus. We had concerns about the special teams coverage wise for a little bit there, a little streaky. Uh, we had the Tucker conversation about his, uh, kicks of general unreasonable length <laughs> and, uh, and then South had a second year that was pretty strong. So, uh, and, and kind of the lost storyline is Ott filling in as a long snapper after, mm-hmm. uh, the more injury. So, uh, yeah, I think, okay, pretty good. I would say B plus. Yeah, I, I think B plus. Um, I think that in some ways it was an unspectacular year, but solid year for special teams sprinkled in with the Wallace punt return touchdown is a all time Ravens play. You know, you get the punt return touchdown for, uh, the win in overtime was huge. Um, stout had some, some memorable puns. I think he, he definitely made, took a step this year. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that it, what Tucker had the luck that he did. Um, hopefully, you know, he'll have chances to, to, you know, show that he can still do it because I, I, I think he still has the leg, but you know, something's going on with that unit, but luckily everything, you know, that you really need a field goal kicker for, he still is able to do, um, those booming kicks, uh, generally you're doing those because your offense puts you in a bad situation. Right. And it was always great that we had Tucker to be able to bail us out in those situations. But ideally, you know, even if you have a kicker that can do it, you don't really want to be in those situations. So uh, I don't think that we can knock the special teams unit as a whole, or even Tucker himself down that much uh, for him, you know, not being his usual excellent self from those incredibly difficult kicks. So yeah, a strong unit. I think it's got better as the season went on. There was some, you know, I think the coverage was a little spottier in the beginning of the year, but really tightened up as the year went on. I think that unit's in great uh, great condition for this playoff run. Lastly, let's talk about the coaches. And the only assistant coach that's not getting uh, requests for uh, head coaching roles is uh, the special teams coach. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> not not going to be able to pull a hardball maybe this year. But... Munkin is getting asked to be a coach. Uh, Weaver is being asked to be a coach. And McDonald, who we all thought would be asked, is also getting asked to be a coach. So, uh, I mean, you know, they don't have the job, but they're getting requested for interviews. And I think it's a solid A- minus for this group. I think, you know, Munkin has had an incredible year one. I would love to see what a year two could look like. I really do think another year under Munkin would be astounding. I really think, like, one more year, man. <laughs> you know, because we could see the growing pains at the beginning of the year. Get him a little bit more accustomed to 
the people we have and everyone getting more accustomed to it. I think, I think it could be wheels up uh, even more year two, but we'll see if we get the opportunity. And then defense has been number one in the league for a reason. Uh, just unbelievable level of coaching on that side of the ball. You know, definitely want to give Weaver some credit too, because he's a, the assistant coach uh, to Harbaugh and uh, is getting a lot of recognition. I thought he could have been our defensive coordinator in a different universe. And it seems like he might just skip being a defensive coordinator uh, in his next round of, I think he, he did it before, right with Houston, but he, I think he's going to mm. skip right to uh head coach next time he is promoted. A lot of, a lot of strong coaches, I think. Um, and well, yeah, I mean, like we talked about with you know players and things like that. I mean, there were, there was some good, there was some bad, I think overall super positive um, defensive, the defensive coaching staff, I think particularly super, super deep. Um you know, it's been pretty good. I feel like uh I feel like A minus is fair. Uh if I were nitpicking a little bit, I'd say like, man, Harbaugh, um some 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 challenging some some of the decisions to challenge some certain things. Like I, I get it, extra time, but like man, some of those were just like not great calls if we're talking about like in game coaching. Um <laughs> but I feel like that's nitpicking a little bit. Overall, I mean it's a it's a strong roster, strong coaching. Um there's a there's not a lot of weaknesses to this team i think so um which gotta hope they gotta you know biggest thing man they gotta keep it together they gotta like keep the guys focused and uh these next couple weeks otherwise it'll be another has been seasoned or what could have been seasoned oh man yeah nothing really more to add there um strong coaching seasons from everyone well that wraps it up i would love to hear your grades guys feel free to message us either on twitter at one winning pod threads at one winning pod or of course emails one winning pod at gmail.com we'll be enjoying a week of relaxation enjoy watching the wild card round maybe uh grab a drink with a friend and uh watch some of these games and uh root for whatever box set you so desire let us know your box sets in the comments too but uh we'll be back next week to kind of look at this uh divisional matchup and stay locked in from there go ravens